0: make a note of that spiritual authority there in 2010 he's a very unique guy if you look him up he's he's quite an interesting man and i'm not going to try to pronounce his name but he's a russian mathematician and in 2010 he had solved a math problem that had been proposed a hundred years before. Gregoria Perdalman was supposed to take this. To this point, he still hasn't claimed this reward. That uh, a m- famous mathematician named Potiphar, he was, uh he brought out a conjecture and he had posed this question back in 1904 that was, had to do with both mathematics and physics, uh, and had put this out, and for 106 years it had gone unsolved. In Cambridge, Massachusetts, they had, which is where Harvard is, they had put out that they would pay someone a million dollars to solve this problem. This Russian mathematician did but he's he's an odd fellow and he refused to this day to claim that which was his. Now, how many of you just saying if you want a million dollars, righteously so, would say, nah. I don't I don't need that. Anyone? Because I'd like to see what's actually going on in your mind. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yet, the text we're going to read, Jesus gives us authority. Spiritual authority. But yet, like this million dollars, it's there for you. But you've got to go take it. You've got to claim it. For yourself, and so let's read Luke chapter ten, beginning in verse seventeen. This is after the disciples are coming back, and when the seventy-two disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, "Lord, even the demons were uh, obey us when we use your name." Yes, he told them, "I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy." And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them, and nothing will injure you. But do not rejoice that the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus tells, now these are the 70, 72, some uh, translations say. I don't think that's very important, whether it was 70 or 72 or 74 or 68, I don't know. But these men that he sent out to preach, two by two, came back and they said, we've noticed something, that when we spoke in your name, demons listened. And he said, yes, that's true. I have given you this authority. Now that means that is true not only to them, that is true to the church today. We have Spiritual authority, but this has to be taken So I want to talk to you about three areas that I believe that Christians need to take authority And sometimes yield authority to the devil too often and one and firstly is your mind God wants you to have victory in your mind We've all heard the saying, we've all probably said it, my thoughts got away from me. My mind was racing. My, you know, I came to an illogical conclusion. Our minds are amazingly, that we can process so much so quickly. Have you ever thought of actually, you know, you think about a computer. A computer does a lot of things and can do a lot of tasks all at once and the graphics and, the, the, and the, this and making tons of calculations. Your brain is far superior than that. Your mind is making calculations. We're making calculations all the time. When you drive... Right? If you're old enough to drive, you think about it. You're making calculations all the time. You're an, analyzing your speed. You're thinking about the conversation you have with your passenger. You're thinking about the car that's ahead of you, the traffic light, the pedestrian on the road. They're, you're thinking about all of these things, uh, and it's all playing into your mind all at once, right? And It's just going, 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 and you're just going through, and it's all there. It's happening. Our brains are amazing. We can process and think through things. This man with this mathematician, I can't even imagine that level of math that he's dealing with. Absolutely amazing. But yet, so many Christians, the place they're defeated is in their mind. It's not necessarily really anything that's happened before them or has happened to them, it's all that's happening in them. There's many things contending for our mind. There's the world, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And do not copy the customs of this world, but let God transform you into the new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Right? There's always pressures on us to change and conform and to think different and, you know, just how we're going to process and how we're going to manage through life and how we're go- what we think is valuable, what we think is right, what we think is wrong. There's all those kinds of pressures on us to change the way we think. But there's also the reality of the devil. He'll try to change and persuade and work against us. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, but somehow I fear that your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning way of the serpent. And the King James actually uses, I fear that your mind will be twisted, that turned, corrupted. That the thought and the understanding of what Paul's writing there is that the devil, through his subtly, his, his his sliminess, his snakiness, if you will, used his persuasion to affect Eve's mind. The devil will aim for our minds. He'll try to get us to convince you're not good enough. You don't measure up. And then he'll actually throw in our past, our own memories. Our own minds can be a trap against us. There's thoughts I wish I could delete. I wish there was a delete button. I wish I could go into that file and erase it forever that I would remember it no more. God may have forgot my sins forevermore, but somehow I seem to remember them from time to time. Right? They're there. They play back. They're in there and in the mind. All of these things will go on. And the reality is that our minds can go and take us in all sorts of different directions. So the key then is we have to have authority in our minds. Jesus said, I've given you this authority. An undisciplined mind goes in many ways. Peter uses it this way. He says, so prepare your minds for the action, the exercise self-control. Put on all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come when you uh, come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed from the world. Now, what this is talking about is the, the actual picture that it, uh, Peter writes from is the Roman soldiers wore basically skirts to put it, or kilts if you want to be, however you want to put it. But they wore skirts, and and I don't know. I've never worn a skirt, nor a kilt, nor anything like that. I have put a towel around my waist and got that idea of it's not easy to run in something like that. And so they would bind it up above the knees. They would actually put it in the belt so that they could move faster. So they could actually control their actions. It wouldn't limit them. And he says that you prepare your minds or take that in. When I was teaching sailing one of the things that becomes dangerous is that if you get caught in winds and you're kind of stuck, you need to take down the sail. Because if you don't take down the sail, the, the, it's very funny in, in, in sailing, the, the stick that goes up, that you put the sail up, is called the mast. Most of you would know that. The arm that the, mass, that the sail would be on is called the boom. And I think that's because people would get boom. <laughs> right. So you take it down because that sail in the wind would become wild. And it would boom you. Now, I don't know if that's how it's got its name, but that's how I learned. I got boomed a couple of times. Like, oh, we got to take down this sail. We've got to control this. Take it in. There's people, I, I knew a dear woman. She, she's, she's saved. I love her. She's, I, I pray for her. I believe God to help her. But she is a massive pessimistic creature. I mean, if her husband's five minutes late home from work, she's starting to worry and check if there were car accidents. It's always doom and gloom. And she doesn't wrap up her mind. She doesn't say, you know what? There's probably a million reasons why he's late for work, but she always goes to the deepest and the darkest and the the most horrible. There's some people that they're immoral in their mind. This is a lot of sinners. But it can be Christians too. That you fight through and everything becomes immoral thoughts, you know. It's, you know, uh, uh, you know, bumper stickers twist the word it. And, you know, I'd like to find some of these people and slap them. Because they're definitely twisting that into the immoral. Because everything to them becomes that kind of way. There's people who fear. Everything is filtered through fear causes you to think, I'll lose, I, I, won't, I won't have, I'll something's going to work out, or some people they filter, like I said, through the past, or they filter it through a conversation, you know, they're paranoid, you know, I know everybody's talking about me all the time when I'm not in the room, because when I come into the room, they all stop talking, and I know that's because they were talking about me, it's like, whoa, you know, you probably weren't that important to be talking about, I hate to break it to you. I won't go to that church. They all talk about me. No, most of them are talking about themselves. I just hate to tell you about that, but it's the way it really is. A couple of keys to getting a disciplined mind. What are you feeding your mind? Are you feeding it the Word of God? You know, if you're having immoral, if immoral thoughts are your problem and you're looking at immoral pictures all day long, then guess why you're having immoral thoughts? I mean, there's no, you know, you're reading trashy novels. No kidding. That's not shocking. Garbage in, garbage out. You're discontent with your car because you're spending all day long on, you know, Car and driver website and looking at all the cars that you can't afford. Well, no wonder why you're discontent with your car. There's, there's realities of why, what you put into your mind. How you're, how you're using it. What you're flip, you know, putting your mind and thoughts on. You know, the book of Philippians is very fascinating. One of the main themes that people will say of the book of Philippians, a lot of Bible scholars will say, is that it is a book of joy. You read about it, it is an amazing book of joy. That Paul talks about joy in his chains, and he talks about joy in his salvation. It's amazing. But really, joy is only mentioned four times in there, where the word the mind is mentioned ten. And he brings out that the thought there of having joy is linked to you getting control or authority in your mind, Philippians six, 4, 6 through 8. Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which ex- exceeds uh, uh, any understanding. And His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. He says you can control what you think about. He does link this to prayer. He does link this to the word of God, but going through and telling God what you need and thanking him for what he's already done. Thinking about God, I know I have this need right now, but you know, I remember in the past that you've met that need and that need and that need and that need. I know that you've moved for that person and that person, and I believe that you'll move for me. Because there's a power of thought and why we need to take authority. If you're going to live a victorious Christian life, you're going to have to get victory in your mind it's where it begins. If you're going to have authority, if you're going to believe that Christ has authority for your life, you're going to have to get authority in your mind. This year in the NFL, there's been a lot of uh, problems. There was a quarterback down in Miami, if you don't know the story, and I'm not going to bore you with football and all the, 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 the sport itself, but he got hit, he was actually, they were playing Buffalo, and he got, he got tackled, and he got up, and he was kind of weary and woozy and such, and, and he said, oh, it's a back injury, and they put him back in the game, and he played, and that was on Sunday. That Thursday night, Miami played the Thursday night game, and he got hit again, and when he went down, his fingers went into a strange convulsion, which means head trauma, it means a concussion. And so now, because of that, uh, they're being over, uh, absolutely over the top, because uh, uh, years ago, a couple of years ago, a movie came out called Concussion that actually was going against the NFL and how football is a very violent sport. It is a violent sport and how that this is causing people head trauma and different things, and how they need to be careful because this is going to play out in people's lives, and da-da-da, and it's had some, uh, you know, some effects there, you know. And I understand football is dangerous, but so is hockey, so is boxing, so is a lot of other sports uh, that are physical. And so, uh, it's the way we're kind of wired, people like that kind of thing. And so, but they're very concerned now with it. They're so concerned that they're probably being almost motherly in it, but they don't want someone to have a messed up mind for the rest of their life. And so they're, they're, they've got all sorts of protocols now for concussions, because they want to protect the mind. As Christians, I believe that we should be trying to protect our minds. That we should put in protocols. That maybe, yes, we have to go over the top. Maybe you do need to put on the helmet of your salvation. That when you're thinking, think like a Christian would. Your flesh will not want to do this. You need a miracle. You need... God to help you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 3 through 5. We are humans, but we don't wage war as the humans do. We use God's mighty weaponry, not worldly weaponry, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy the proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Paul says, you know what our weaponry is about? It's about the mind. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but you've had an argument with yourself even today? We do that. And I'm not just talking about, oh, I went to a restaurant and I was thinking, do I get the chicken or do I get the steak? Do I get the chicken or do I get the steak? That's, you know a decision. It's not an argument. But you actually begin to wage war in your mind. Obstacles in obeying God's truth. Is this more important to me or is that more important to me? Rebellious thoughts. These kind of things that happen that Jesus said, I give you authority. You don't have to let your mind Blow like a ripped flag in the wind. It doesn't have to be subject to the ways of whatever way the wind is blowing. You can have dominion in your mind. There's also the dominion of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts chapter 1 says when you receive power, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, excuse me, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there will be power. God wants to give you power in your life. You don't have to be subject to the wiles of your flesh. You don't have to be bound in sin, habits that you're ashamed of God wants to fill you with this authority that you don't have to give into those areas of life sin should not have dominion you can be free but you have to take it you have to make it your own Romans 6:10 through 14 when he died he died to break the power of sin now he lives He lives for the glory of God. So you should also consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to your sinful desires, but let, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God for you were dead, and, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for, for the glory of God. If sin no longer is your master, then you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. You can have that power. Years ago, in the Macy's Day Parade, down in New York City, They do that on Thanksgiving. They would have... uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't Macy Day Parade. It was the the New Year's uh, Tournament of Roses Parade in L.A. that they would do, and they'd have this go through, and they'd have all sorts of floats and different things go through. And one year, they had a float that was running, and it ran out of gasoline. And it became a major problem. They had to push it away. The real kind of irony of it all... It was the float for the Standard Oil Company. The one who should have had the gasoline in the tank didn't have the gasoline in the tank. Christians have access to the gasoline for the tank. God wants to fill you with his power. He wants to give you that authority. Romans chapter 8 verse 2 And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. God, Jesus says, I give you authority that you will tread among serpents and scorpions. The devil could be all around you. He could be all seemingly, but there's something inside of you that has now the authority to trample, to put them under your feet. Some say, and used in context, many times snakes refer to people who are involved in witchcraft or opposing spiritual authorities against God. But the reality is, it's also a realm into the spiritual. The devil himself posed as a serpent. You can be around all that. You can have authority over that. Trample over it. You don't have to live subject to the wiles of, the. well, the devil made me do it. Yeah, well, tell the devil where to go. Tell him where he's going to go. Romans 6.20, uh, 1620 rather. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the Lord Jesus be with you. I love that. The God of peace. The God of peace is going to crush Satan under your feet. And the Lord be with you. I just love that. How he uses, like, you know, the God of peace is going to kill the devil. He's going to use you to do it. He's going to give us that authority. And, of course, in that, too, is also the power to witness. And let me just say this. It is fascinating that when you witness how much authority you feel, you know, how that spiritual authority awakens in your life. That's why the devil always tries to intimidate you to keep your mouth shut. If I don't tell anybody, well, I'll be okay. But if you witness, it's amazing what it does for you. I've walked away from witnesses not knowing if those people understood a word I said, but knowing that I felt refreshed. Not sure if it had any impact between that and talking to dead fish, but I could tell you that it did something for me. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, after they had prayed, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they preached the word of God with boldness. In our text it is actually talking about also the authority to heal. In all of these things Jesus is bringing out these understandings. The authority do not rejoice that your devils are to rejoice that your name. Stay focused in your mind what's going on. I've given you authority in your spirit. You're going to be among serpents and scorpions, but you're going to have that to get through. And then he also, they come back, and they're talking about all the miracles that Jesus did, that God did through them when they were there. Jesus said miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safely. They will not, If they drink of any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick and they will be healed. Let me just add here that when you pray for sick people and their conscience. There's people I pray for there. They've got breathing tubes down their throat. They, they cannot do this. But if they're awake, don't just pray for them. Engage their faith. Engage their faith. Have them say a prayer. Have them cast out the pain. Have them speak a miracle into their body. It's amazing what that will do for them. It will engage their faith that they will see God do a miracle. Don't just pray for them. Have them pray with you. It's a very powerful lesson and will help you. I've seen people pray, pray, pray. As soon as you get them to engage their faith, as soon as you get them to speak it out, they get healed. Don't just pray for them. Engage them. And see God do a miracle. But God has given us the Holy Spirit to see people get healed as well. We have authority. We have so much Physical things. Now, let me just tell you that this is October. I don't know if you've noticed, but we're into October. Thank God the weather hasn't figured it out quite yet, but we are into October. October happens to have Halloween in it. I don't know if you know that, but it happens to be at the end of the month, which is probably one of the highest holidays of the Wiccan church. It is a time when spiritual spiritual bizarreness begins to happen like pain out of nowhere. Mind hassles out of nowhere. Things happen like out of nowhere. It's like, this doesn't make sense. Married couples who love each other today are now (laughs) calling me because the next call is to a divorce lawyer because they don't know what else to do. What's happening is that is spiritual. You have to take authority over it, engage your faith, But God gave us that power over the devil, over diseases. Peter saw this opportunity after he prayed for the man at the gate, beautiful. Acts chapter 3, verse 12, and he addressed the crowd. He said, people of Israel, why do you look so surprised at this? And staring as we did something that we made this man whole on our power or our godliness. He says, I didn't do this. What God did. What God is able to do. Peter says, it's not me, it's through the Holy Spirit. Lots of people responded to this. But like any other authority, it has to be taken. See, God has given us an opportunity. Just like this... Crazy mathematician had an opportunity to be a millionaire, and he didn't want the money. I mean, you would figure if he didn't want it, he could at least donate it to some, I don't know, maybe church in Rochester, New York, or, you know, whatever. But, you know, he could, he could donate it to orphanages. He could feed starving people and wherever. But this has to be exerc- exercised. There's a difference between praying, Lord, if it's your will, saying, I command. I take authority over. Oh, devil, go away. Devil, leave. I know there's a difference between telling your kids to be quiet and shut up. It's a big difference they both basically mean the same thing right and if you're ever overseas and have to teach english as a second language and you go to explain the difference between wise men and wise guys you realize that there are subtleties in english that are amazing <laughs> doesn't guys mean men yeah mostly then why is wise guys one thing and wise men another? don't ask i didn't write the language look don't blame me okay Right? You have to take that authority. Mark chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. Suddenly, a man in a synagogue who was possessed with an evil spirit cried out and said, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus reprimanded him and said, Be quiet. Come out of the man. He will. Ordered. He didn't say, listen, could we negotiate this right now? And maybe if you're really nice, devil, you'll just leave him alone. Get out of here. He took authority. He had the right to tell that demonic spirit, shut up and leave. Lester Summerall was a man of God, quite a man of God. He had uh, been discipled under a man named Smith Wigglesworth and had to, he, because Lester Summerall was an American, he had to leave England in 1943 because of the war. And uh, Smith Wigglesworth was an Englishman. And so he, he left and he had to go uh, back to the America and he would preach around. He, after the war, he became a missionary and preached around the world, Africa. In some places and he said one night in a book called Spiritual Authority he said one night I was lying in bed and I, I felt this demonic presence come into my room and was just oppressing my thoughts and he started shaking my bed and I mean he started so violently shaking my bed my bed moved and I said devil This is what Lester Summerall said. Devil, get out of here. He left. He said, no, wait. Come back here. Put my bed back. The bed slid back where it was. He said, now get out of here. That's authority. That's what Jesus has given to you and I. That unclean spirits obeyed us. This is true in a healing service. This is true in your home. You do not have to let the devil convince you by trying to convince you that you are insane or you have to live with that pain or that life is just going to be always struggle to struggle to struggle to struggle that I'll do well from sin for a while and then something will happen. You have to take this authority. Jesus said, yes. They came back and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us when we used your name. He said, yes. I already saw the defeat of Satan. I saw him fall from heaven like lightning. He's not saying this thunder, lightning that he threw him out. He's saying he fell out that fast. He was there and he's gone. He has been dethroned. There has been a spiritual coup and he has been removed. And I have given you authority. Has to be taken. The church of Jesus Christ has authority. I'm sure you've heard this illustration before, but it's so fitting right here. You have a choice. 1980, I think it was 1984, 85, somewhere around there. Maybe it was 83. Steve Jobs was desperate. He was trying to get his little Apple computer company off the ground. He needed, he, he at least Steve, the one credit I can give him, is he knew he wasn't a good businessman. He was a great computer maker. He wasn't a good businessman. That's why eventually he would be fired from Apple and eventually get rehired back, because he wasn't a good businessman, but he wasn't a crazy inventor. He knew he needed a really smart CEO. He went to a man named John Scully. John Scully, at that point, was working for Pepsi-Cola, Pepsi-Cola might not be the most exciting job, but it was a very stable job. Pepsi-Cola, back in the 1980s, Coke was making some dreadful mistakes. They introduced new Coke, which was a disaster. They had it on the market. They reimagined the whole thing because the Pepsi challenge was going through the United States. So what they would do is... These trucks would show up and they would have cans of Coke and cans of Pepsi and they would give you blind taste tests. Which one do you like better? And most people would pick Pepsi because it's sweeter. And so they would pick this. And so Pepsi started really chomping into the market share of Coke. At that particular moment, Burger King had actually united with Pepsi. They would break off later when the Mormons would buy Pepsi, who happened to own KFC and Taco Bell. So you can study that whole sermon out, but anyway. Steve Jobs went to John Scully. He's desperate. John Scully is not interested in computers, he's not interested in this upstart leaving this secure, rising behemoth of a company as CEO. But one thing that Steve Jobs said to John Scully that got him. He said, he he reputed, he asked Scully, do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugar water? Or do you want a chance to change the world? Scully jumped ship. And that's when they came out with the brilliant Super Bowl commercial that put Apple. On the map. The opportunity was there. Jesus says I give you this. But it's just an opportunity. You don't have to take it. You can live defeated. Bound. And frustrated. Your entire Christian life. That is so, that's an opportunity that you have. You don't have to take this. But Jesus said, this is what I am giving the church, authority. We are not to be second class or low class spiritual citizens. We are to be the upper crust of spiritual citizens. That is what God has for us. Will you take the authority that Jesus has given to us? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Maybe you're here this evening, you're not right with God. You're in need of prayer, you need God to move in your life. You need to be forgiven. That has to be taken. Jesus did die for the sins of the world. Your sins, my sins, everyone's sins. But not everyone takes that forgiveness. Not everyone reaches out and receives that forgiveness. God is reaching out to you right now. He's asking my son, my daughter, will you receive my forgiveness? Will you let me help you and move in your life? And if you're here and you're not right with God, you're not saved, you're not born. not born again, you're backslidden, you're away from God, you need Jesus. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I'm not... Taking what God has for me. I haven't done, I haven't been what I should be. I've let the world, I've let my mind, I've let sin, I've let authority, I've let all sorts of things take over. And I want to come back to Jesus. I want to get my heart right. I need to get my heart right at all. Anyone, very quickly, I'm going to move on just a moment. Maybe you're here then and you are saved. But I can tell you, in in October, things will get strange. I mean, there's strange year-round, there's witchcraft year-round, but there are times, there are things that will happen this time of year that you need to take authority over. There are things in your house, there are things in your body, there are things in your mind, there are habits, there are things that you have the right to take authority over and let God help you with. And he wants to do that tonight. He wants to help us all. Let's all stand. We're going to open these altars. You can talk to God. You can make those commitments. Whatever you need to do. We're going to sing a song. Thank you for the cross, the mighty cross. Thank you for the cross. Worship him for just a moment. Father, we love you. Lord, we glorify you. God, we exalt you. Oh ra ra, ra bo 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 ra-ra se be, be, be say.